First Corinthians, starting in chapter 11, uh, starts off with Paul saying, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Which is a good message on discipleship and uh, living unto the Lord. And then he gets into one of the trickier parts of Scripture for the next couple paragraphs. First, he praises them for living according to the traditions that he passed on to them. And then he says a principle, which uh, is easy to understand, that Christ is the head of every man, and man is the head of every woman, and God is the head of Christ. That's also repeated in Ephesians. Um, But then he gets into head coverings and no head coverings. And he says, every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head, but every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head, for she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For a woman, for if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to have his head covered, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of God. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed man was not created for the woman's sake, but the woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither is a woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. And then he says, judge for yourself. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself testify or teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given to her for a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. So this is probably where we get our uh, our cult custom, which is kind of falling away in this society, of taking your hat off, a man taking his hat off when he goes inside. Um, I know I got yelled at in a church in Moscow one time. It was freezing out there and I had a hood on my coat on (laughs) walking through the snow and I ducked into a little church to check it out and I got yelled at. I I didn't, I think now that's probably why. And I know the uh, Orthodox women uh, in the, you know, Russian Orthodox church as well as I think all the Orthodox churches still abide by this. The women wear head coverings uh, when they go in. So if you've seen that and you wonder why, I mean, it's directly out of scripture. In the West, that's not practiced very much, and I do not enforce that in our fellowship. Um, so I, I don't, I, I, I believe this was cultural at the time. Obviously, first and foremost, we we need to obey the Lord in every way. And um, if the Lord shows me that this is important, then absolutely we need to do it. Um, uh, you know, if, if he tells me I need to wear something completely ridiculous in order to have a good fellowship, well, then I'm going to do that. And, I'm, and if he tells me everyone in our fellowship needs to do that, then we're going to do that. Um, I, I don't have that sense from the Lord. And so I think this had to do with cultural, but let me tell you something else besides just cultural, um, that is an issue that 
I don't think they dealt with as much, but is absolutely something in churches across the West today, is women showing up, uh, I was almost going to say looking their best, but not, that's not exactly correct, looking sexy, trying to, to look attractive. Um, and I think that this is related to that. Um, because here's the thing, uh, something that is very common to women is to compare herself with others and to look to look good so other people think that they look good. And the hair is uh, very much a way of doing that. And for men, men have a tendency to be attracted, to, uh, distracted, attracted by a good-looking woman. And so if, a, if you have a fellowship of men and women and the women are trying to look their best, then that, that woman, it's not good for her because she's now thinking about how she looks compared to others instead of worshiping the Lord. Other women are noticing her instead of worshiping the Lord, and other men are noticing her instead of worshiping the Lord. So it's not good for anyone. Um, I, don't, I, I don't see that as being such an issue for long hair or, you know, for hair in general in, in our culture. I, I mean, I, honestly, to this point, though, would it be better if they were? Would, be, would everyone be less distracted? Probably. But for me and mine, I, I haven't felt the need to uh, use this as a, as a rule or a law up until this point. And again, if the Lord shows me that I'm falling short, then, then I need to be made aware. But, but this is what Paul is teaching the Corinthians. But Paul says, this is just one problem of when you come together to fellowship. I'm hearing many issues that come amongst you, that there are factions between you instead of being one unified body. When you meet to eat the Lord's Supper, you have some that are pigging out and some that are uh, going hungry. He said, don't you have food and drink at home? You're, you're getting drunk on, on the Lord's blood? That's, that's not the point. You're missing the point. Go get, go eat and drink at home. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. He's saying you, you don't have the right order when you meet together. You need to be loving each other, uh, giving of yourself for each other. If you're Apparently, they would bring their own bread and their own wine, and some had none, and they weren't being shared. And others are getting... You know, just eating and drinking and having a feast while, while their brothers and sisters in Christ are hungry. He says, well, you don't understand anything if you're doing this. And then he explains communion. He says, 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he says, This is a spiritual sacred act. This isn't about eating and drinking. This is about unifying with the death of the Lord, that you can also be unified with the life of the Lord. You're realizing what he did for you and you're agreeing to come into that same state, death to your old life and a newness in his life.
He says, if you eat and drink the body and blood in an unworthy manner, you shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That's pretty heavy. It falls on you. If, I don't think this is a common thing today, but, but he's saying that's how serious it is. He says, examine yourself before you eat and drink. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are, are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. He says, many of you are getting sick. And you're dying because you are not taking these spiritual things seriously. You're not taking the spiritual life seriously. You're still living as the world lives. You're condemning yourself by the way you take communion. And you are still in the world and you are susceptible to these things. But if you give yourself entirely to the Lord, you will be free of these things. He says, Discipline yourself, judge yourself so that the Lord will not judge you and condemn you along with the world. The world is getting judged. This is actually a, a good time for that. I think we're about to really see that kick into high gear of judgment on the world. But judgment on the world means blessing for his people that he hides away and raises up. And so he says, choose which side that you're on and be clear about it. Be sober minded. He ends this chapter. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. So he says, don't show up hungry, just devouring bread. Again, this isn't really something that I don't think anybody struggles with, but uh, we do. We tend to do communion differently these days. Um, but he says, think about what you're doing and treat matters of God as holy not as matters of the world. And then we're on to chapter 12. In this chapter, he really delves into spiritual gifts. And he says, you know, I want to teach you about these things. You know, when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking in the spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean they're incapable of saying those words. It just means that they're, they're not... Person is not going to go around saying that unless, um, unless led by the Lord. Um, at the same time, um, I, I can't remember. There's there's certain things like that that if you try to get a Mormon to say, they just won't say it because they will claim to be Christians all day long. But there's certain basics that should be no problem for a Christian that they just will. Oh, like the cross. I think the cross is one of them. They will have nothing to do with the cross, which is, man, the cross is everything in the Christian faith. So if you'll have nothing to do with the cross, um, how can you? And I say this as someone, I don't wear a cross around my neck. Um, I didn't have a cross in my home until I got married. My, we, I think we have one hanging on our walls right now that we got as a wedding gift. Um, I, I'm not big on displaying crosses, uh, so I'm not talking about the superficial, but I'm talking about the life. When Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, that is everything. That is the way to death to yourself, to life in Christ. It's everything. And so to avoid the cross <laughs> is a bit of a problem with claiming to be a Christian. Um, 
So the point here is you, <laughs> the, the words you speak will flow out of the life you live. The life you live will flow out of the spirit you're led by. And he says, there are a variety of gifts, but that one same spirit. And there are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all them in all person. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So he's saying the, the spirit works differently through different people. And he does it to bring together a body where each one is unique, but together makes this beautiful body of Christ, this beautiful fellowship in the spirit. He says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. So words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, faith is important. I don't think many people um, see that, but it's such an important gift because it is by this that we move deeper and deeper into God's kingdom and to another, the gift of healing by the same spirit. So that. That one's super popular today, and and you know if 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 you're sick or hurting, that that's you're very desirous of healing. But it's it's one gift, such as so is wisdom, so is knowledge, and the affecting of miracles. Uh, I've seen that a lot more in my life than than I have healing. Um, but that's j- just more different things. It's it's not a healing gift, but something else that's miraculous that can't be explained any other way. To another prophecy, this speaking the the spirit of Christ in a situation directly from the spirit, not known by human wisdom, but by the spirit. So it could be things to come. It could be realities as God sees them. And to another distinguishing of spirits. It's another one that's not talked about. Uh, I, I end up seeing a lot of that through <laughs> travels and being a young idiot and doing things like, uh, I think this started showing up for me when I would, I went to Egypt right before a mission trip in Israel. And uh, those ancient tombs, pyramids and such, um, the, that's real spiritual stuff. <laughs> and and I, had, <laughs> I got attacked in those places. Um, but, but since then, it's been a really cool thing. I got sick from him and it was, it was rough for me uh, there for a time. I spent the first third of the mission trip kind of sick from having experienced that. But I have since been, let me tell you a cool story. I went, I mean, it's, it's really, really sad. Um, but we went to visit a church that some friends were part of. And I had been years too earlier. I mean, it's a church that a lot of, uh, a lot of big name charismatics would visit when they were all through town. And we went, uh, so we went there, I don't know, some years back, five years ago, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Um, and the, the uh, uh, man, I felt, I, so something I've seen when I, when I, I a lot of times, I don't naturally get headaches, uh, maybe, maybe very occasionally, but basically I don't get headaches, but I would go to a, uh, um, if somewhere that was supposed to be a fellowship in the Lord. And if there was a lot of mixture there, I would get a headache or in other situations like that. In this particular case, I came in and uh, I felt sick to my stomach. I mean, I wanted to throw up while I was there. And I, I was just very clear from the Lord. He's revolted by what's going on here. We left a little early. I mean, we kind of stayed and we were there with friends. We we're not wanting to offend them, but well, and of course, my wife has no idea what this is going on because the service is going on. I'm just wanting to get out of there. 
Um, anyways, we left, didn't go back. I ended up hearing later from somebody, this church had joined with another church and it ended up being like, cause the pastor that was in charge had been the son of the pastor that founded it. And he ended up long story short, and I, I just heard all this secondhand, but he ended up basically selling the church to another startup church for his own profit. Um, kind of in a sneaky way that the rest of the parishioners didn't didn't see coming. And um, so that all was going on when we visited, but no one knew. But man, the Lord knew this, you know, so I was discerning the spirit of what was operating in that place. And the Lord was disgusted by it. And, um, and so that's, that, again, that's something that's, a, I don't know why the Lord gets has blessed me with that thing. It's something that you, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone talk about. Um, but it's, it's a valuable thing to see what spirits are at work in this place. And, um, and so in that case, it's like that, that the Lord is disgusted by that place. We are not going back to that place. And then later I find out why, you know, I, I didn't need to know why to know we're not going back there. The Lord's disgusted. But later I found out, which is also, you know, nice blessing by the Lord that uh, my friend told me all that because otherwise I just, you know, it's something I experienced without having understanding. But you shouldn't need understanding. If you're going to walk by the Spirit, you have to you have to be open to listening to what he's saying. And if he's speaking to you, that quite often is not in words and you need to understand how is he leading and be willing to walk in that way without understanding. So then he goes on to various kinds of tongues, speaking in tongues, and then interpretation of tongues. Those are two separate gifts. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So God gives each each one different uh, gifts. Let me go back to the Egypt story just since I brought it up. Um, what I would do, so I was young enough in my walk to think I should boldly go around like <laughs> bringing the power of the Lord wherever I went. And, uh, but, uh, and, and so foolish in that way, but wise enough to know, Hey, these are spiritual places and I'm going to take this stuff seriously. So I, I knew to take it seriously. I just didn't know how to take it seriously. And so I would go into these old temples, which, you know, you might think I was there with a buddy who's not a believer, and so to him, it's just this really cool tourist location, right? I mean, things that are thousands of years old, and you're walking into them and seeing the architecture, seeing the paintings on the walls that are thousands of years old. It's, it's, it's beautiful and incredible in the natural. But I also was aware, and so I'd go in praying, which probably made myself quite the target. And the fact that in the spirit was known, I'd be going on this. I was, I was basically on a mission trip. I just hadn't started it. I mean, I'd left America, and I was in Egypt uh, before crossing the border into Israel. Um, so in this spirit, I'm sure I had a giant target on myself and I would go into these places praying against them as if, as if God sent me to destroy the spiritual strongholds of these places. Um, at, at one place, uh, one of them super old, like the oldest, it's the stepped, uh, the stepped pyramid, the oldest pyramid and they have this and it's not on the pyramid but the the area around it has these old temple buildings and i climbed up on one i was looking down my buddy was going to take a picture of me 
man, everything in me was screaming to jump, to like kill myself, throwing myself down, which is not a normal, that's not normally how I think if I climb up on a tall thing, but it's a spirit speaking directly to me to just kill myself. And so I was sitting there like, man, just take the picture so I can get down from this thing. This is, uh, it was not a fun experience. And then we went, what is the name of it in southern Egypt? The Karnak, I don't remember. It was one that was like covered in sand until 100, 150 years ago. And it's gorgeous because it was covered in sand. So it's really well preserved. Oh, man. I, so I would start getting headaches when I went in these places. And this one was severe. That, that was a very potent place. And so, I mean, I was experiencing spiritual things that I could not see. In another place, there was this guy, and he loved, he he had deformities from it. I mean, he I'm sure he called himself a Muslim because he's, you know, majority uh, Egyptian. But he offered me and my buddy, he wanted to, us to pay him money to pray in this super, super old uh, little temple. Nothing that impressive to look at, but this spot. And... Uh, no, thank you. And this guy was deformed from it. I mean, he, he's, he's worshiping. So spiritual realities are real. They exist. There's a kingdom of darkness with all kinds of principalities, authorities on down, even to the lowly demons. And don't take those things lightly. They are very, very real. But also, if the Lord had sent me to go in and clean that place out spiritually, well, then I would have had all power to do so. But the Lord didn't send me in there. So what am I doing in there? That's, that's what I took away from this whole experience. So I thought I would share that. If you show up to something and the Lord hasn't sent you, then you don't bring all his power and authority to overcome because you've stepped outside of what he's done. Now, he has tremendous grace. And I, look, I can look back at that and I say, since that time, I've had a spiritual gift of discerning spirits um, that I'd never had before that. So... The, what the enemy meant for harm, the Lord turned for my good. Um, but at the same time, I, I will no longer ever take those things lightly again. So Paul says all these spirits are, are for the good of the body. Each one is different. One's a hand, one's a foot, one's a mouth, one's an eye. Um, so we have different spiritual gifts, but he gives them to us uniquely so that all together we have all the gifts. For we're all baptized into one spirit, one body. It doesn't matter what race we are. It doesn't matter if we're, you know, in this case, a slave or free, or we could be the CEO of the biggest company, or we could be the janitor of that company. It, it makes no difference. We were all made to drink of one spirit. He gives an example. He said, if a foot says, I'm not a hand, therefore I'm not a part of the body. He says, that's ridiculous. Obviously, the foot's an important part of the body. Or if the ear said, I'm not an eye, so I'm not important, he said, well, the, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. If every part of the body was an eye, we could sit there and see and we could do nothing else. We need every part of the whole body. He says, the eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you, or the hand to the foot, I don't need you. He says, absolutely, each part of the body needs the other part of the body. And in the same way, we all need each other to make one complete body of Christ. We need to see ourselves as a part of the body of Christ instead of seeing ourselves as individuals. This is especially an, an issue in the West, particularly in America, um, because we're all about individualism. Um, but God is all about a unified body of Christ for his people. 
He said we should bestow more honor on the weaker members, not less. He says the presentable body, the presentable members don't need all the honor. They, they get honor naturally. So honor those who are weaker. He says if one member of, of your fellowship is suffering, everyone is suffering. Uh, if one is honored, everyone rejoices. And he ends the chapter now. You are Christ's body and individually members of it. And he kind of shows the order of of the order of God within the people. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I show you a still more excellent way. So he says, it's good to desire the gift. So I speak often badly about the gifts. I just explain the gifts in my own life. I, I, it's not that I don't believe in gifts. I've absolutely seen far more gifts than, than I've ever talked about on here. So I absolutely believe them and they are important. They are absolutely, if you don't believe in the gifts, you're just throwing out a bunch of scripture just because you haven't experienced that. That's basically saying I'm the most mature Christian in the world. And so if I haven't experienced it or the people I know haven't experienced it, then it's not true. That's basically the heart of what that's saying versus God, I can see this is true because it's in your word, but I haven't experienced it. I want to experience it. That is desiring the gifts that Paul mentions here. He said we should desire the gifts. However, when we make a religion out of practicing the gifts, we've gone way off course. And that's, that's unfortunately uh, something that many have done in our society. And so that needs to be corrected. However, the gifts are an important blessing. I'm actually speaking on this tonight in our fellowship. But the gifts are an important blessing. It's just that spiritual fruit is more important. God cares a lot more about who we are in him than what we do for him. We should care along those same lines. And this is the more excellent way that Paul speaks about. And he's, he's going to be speaking about bringing everything together in love. As we get into the next chapter, we're kind of cutting off right in the middle of a teaching. But uh, we'll pick it up tomorrow. God bless you.